pleasure to introduce Marilyn Hughes today. So Marilyn founded the Out of Body Travel Foundation in 2003, and this the, and the mission of this foundation is to reduce spiritual and physical hunger worldwide. And Marilyn has also written get ready, 104 books. I mean, that's a lot of books. She has contributed to 40 magazines. She has recorded 18 CDs on out-of-body travel and comparative religious mysticism. It is pretty clear that Marilyn is a top expert on out-of-body travel. So Marilyn, welcome. Um, such a pleasure to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Natasha. I really appreciated your invitation and I'm happy to be here. No, this is going to be so good. So just <laughs> let's dive right in. So can sure. you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your journey? It's such a fascinating story. Well, you know, it started a long time ago. I, you know, I'm, I'm about uh, 56 now. And so literally the journey started when I was, uh, well, when I was nine originally. And then there was a secondary start when I was 22. So I've been at this for you know decades but um so you know it began when i was nine years old i had my first really powerful out-of-body experience and it was very much um much uh, like a mystical vision where i was lying in bed and um all of a sudden i heard the roaring of the heavens overhead and then it was like the white grayish clouds were swirling all around me and if you could hear you know what i would call an uproar in the heavens you know and um as the clouds slowly parted it revealed a marble staircase that led from where i was to um the top where there was uh, two thrones and there were two beings sitting in them one i perceived to be god the father and the one to his right um, was God the Son. On either side of this staircase, um, it was so beautiful, it was literally hundreds of angels, golden angels, the ones with the large, because there's many kinds of angels, which is a great topic for another discussion, <laughs> but, um, but these were the ones, the golden angels with the great big wings, but they're iridescent, and you can see through them. But when you see a golden angel, there is a very special feeling that comes with it, a very holy kind of sense that you have. And there were hundreds of them on either side. They were motioning me to come forward. And I was, you know, still hearing this roaring, you know, because I learned later on that this roaring sound that we all hear, it's the sound of the difference in frequency and vibration from the physical realm in which we inhabit and the frequency and vibra vibration of different spiritual existences. And this was a very high place. So it was just really thunderous uproaring in the heavens is the way I would describe it. And so I went forward and, um, you know, the short version would be that um, the being I perceived as God the Father began to communicate with me in a very, very loud, booming voice, but his mouth, of course, did not move because in these spiritual realities, everything is telepathic, but I'm hearing it interiorly as this huge, booming voice. He's sharing with me 
my future and that uh, this type of experience would come upon me later in my life and that there was some type of purpose I needed to fulfill. He showed me that there would be difficulties and hardships. Um, he showed me a vision of the cross and then the cross being on fire, which I knew at the time would be the uh, persecution of the cross of the word of God. And that in the end, we would be triumphant and put that fire out. Um, but I was nine years old, so it was all very uh, nebulous to me at the time as to what this would actually mean. So I have this amazing experience. I return back to my body and, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, making this face of, you know, awe, wonder, and what does that mean, you know? And then, of course, the years to come did contain many of the hardships I was warned about and all those things. Then at the age of 22, I had my first subsequent spontaneous out-of-body experience, and I began journaling about them. They started just happening, sometimes only like once a month, once every couple of weeks. Um, they became more and more and more regular. But what I found was there was a line of teaching coming through these experiences that was being given to me, both in word, in terms of instruction, uh, where I would be given direction about misperceptions I had or sinful natures within me that I needed to address and look at head on and face. And that was tough, you know, and then, but also energetically. So what happens in these out-of-body experiences, uh, one of the things people hear me say across all my uh, interviews and everything is that uh, knowledge is not information, it is vibration. So you're also being taught by having your vibration and frequency altered. And so that was, you know, about 34, 35 years ago. And uh, so over these last three and a half decades, I went through a series of periods of teaching. Um, it began with what I call the purification pathway, followed with what I call the discrimination and discernment pathway, and into the discipline pathway, and then beyond, because that's literally just the beginning. Um, and ironically, these pathways coincide with several monastic traditions in our world, the three ages of the interior life for the Catholic mystical theology, but also in Buddhism and Eastern religions, they actually speak of them as purification, discipline, and dis uh, discrimination and discipline as the threefold path of the soul. And so it all began with this great purification um, and it continues into so much more. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, I, I love that. I mean, and it makes sense. Uh, I feel like every time I speak to someone who's very spiritual, it's almost like a form of darshan. I don't know, like that you're in, enclosed in their bubble. Yes. And so you can see a glimpse of what they're saying or the, the meaning behind the words. It's fascinating. So something that really 
um, landed was you said knowledge is not information it's vibration and yes. I've heard people say that to in different ways it, being in a holy place and suddenly feeling some problems that they were grappling with were solved right they just yes. understood something so I, I think I really agree with you um, and then you said that you were warned about times ahead times coming so what were if I may ask you know and please you know you answer as as, as you wish um what were you warned about and in, in specifically uh what challenges we'll be facing at this time and in times coming well what I was warned about at the time of uh, that vision at the age of nine had a lot to do with a lot of issues that were more in my own personal life because I I grew up in a home where it was primarily atheists. And so me being this profoundly, deeply spiritual person in that environment was uh, challenging. And, um, but in terms of what we're seeing today, we are seeing absolutely uh, people putting the, the cross on fire. Exactly what I was shown, you know, almost 40, 45 years ago, you know, I don't, can't, can't do my math, but no, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but we're seeing that in um, many of the things uh, within our secular world, it's becoming more and more of an anything goes kind of mentality. And in the spiritual realm, that is not how it is at all. Um, ironically, what is so dangerous about this trend, uh, there's many things that are, but I'll just hit on a few. Um, it, what's so dangerous about it, it is that it is put forward as a virtuous thing, as a good, as something that is, we are, in, you know, we are embracive, we are all-encompassing, we accept everyone and everything. But you see, in the spiritual life, there is actually a purpose to our existence here. And there are inferior and superior actions. There are inferior and superior thoughts. There are inferior and superior uh, ways of moving. If we are to progress in the spiritual life here in a mortal realm, and that's what we are in, this is a mortal realm, it is a purgatorial realm. Those who are Catholic might be familiar with the idea of purgatory. For those who are not, <clears throat> purgation, purgatory, is a place of purification. So it is an intermediary place between the heavens and the hells. And the heavens are where light and life reside and expand and grow. The hells are various uh, you know, aspects and uh, manifestations of many kinds of evils. In the heavens and the hells, we have an infinite number of realms. So in it's not just one place, it's many, many places. So when you reach that, where you're moving into just pure light and life in the realms five and beyond that, which is literally an infinity, you are grasping a greater and higher degree of holiness with each step that you take. In the lower spheres, you are experiencing different vices or evils that we hold on to as human beings or we hold on to as souls after death. Um, 
and we circle in those places until we break free of the delusion, the misperception. So here we are in the mortal realms, the mortal realms three and four, dimensions three and four is where the battles between good and evil occur. They occur within our own souls. They occur all around us. So when you make everything a relative good, you literally cut off the ability of individual souls to actually enter into a discernment, a discrimination path. And discrimination is referred to very much as discernment. But I use that word because that's what has been used in the ancient monastic traditions for centuries. And it's a different meaning than what people might put on it today. It's discrimination. It's the uh, ability to discern between that which is good, that which is evil, that which is light, that which is dark, that which is life-giving, that which is life-taking, that which propels us forward, that which propels us backward, and that which is within the movement of God, and that which is within the backwards flow of the demonic. So you see, when we try to basically make all things the same, we are almost guaranteeing that humanity will either propel backwards into the darkness, or they will stand still and not progress at all. Because you become so worried about making moral, ethical, or uh, any kind of judgments, you know, with the uh, apostrophes over it, that you become uh, lost in almost a battle over words rather than the actual substance and meaning and depth of what these things actually are. Because it doesn't matter what we think about an action or a reaction. It matters what God thinks. And if we want to progress in our earthly lifetime here, we actually have to examine the underlying true energetic reality of the actions, interactions, the beliefs that we hold, everything, because that is ironically what the out-of-body travel path will take you into, is this deep, intensive self-scrutiny, this deep, intensive personal purification, which begins with just understanding some of the things, and then deeper and deeper into the real substance of all things of what is the truth behind this or that, or what I perceive here, what I did here, because only God knows the actual value or worth or the actual intent behind our actions. We can do things out of enlightenment. We can do things out of ignorance. We can do things out of a dominant darkness, and we can do things with evil intentions. So all the actions that occur in a physical material realm are judged energetically by God 
the universal being, that universal flow that moves through all of creation by our intention, by what we know or don't know, um, by um, what we set out to do. And there is a great merciful thrust that comes from the heavenly higher spheres to teach us. But if we do not allow for that teaching to come in, you can see how it literally puts, um, I'm using my hand here to like cut off. We're cutting ourselves off from the actual inflow of divine grace, which is intended for us so that we may evolve while we are alive here on earth. If we get caught up in words, ideas that are all um, coming from this relativistic place of everything has to be equal, then there is no progress because everything is not equal. Right. It doesn't matter how we identify it here in the physical realm. It is an energetic law, an energetic reality of how energy moves and flows through the entire universal cosmic sphere of being. We mm -hmm. don't change it by redefining it. And so we stop human evolution by doing this. And that's how we're putting the cross on fire. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's, it's intense. Um, you just, I feel like you download information even as you're speaking from another realm because you, <laughs> you speak so beautifully, right? The language and everything is not like something that somebody, you could go around the corner and, and talk to somebody and, and have them express like that, like you do. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the question I have, I've, did a little bit of, of research on you and you had um you had this uh, near-death experience that was extremely in, um, informative clarifying you learned a lot you were shown stuff that usually even people that have near-death experiences you know they, they can't go beyond a certain barrier could you tell us a little bit about it and everything that you were shown um and the information you came away with it's such a good question just to follow what we were talking about because it leads right into what that near-death experience taught me. And that happened in 2003. And um, um, it was so beautiful. So I'm going to just allow myself to take it in here a minute. <laughs> so I go, you know, I've, I've left my body. Uh, something's happened that in the night, you know, um, I had a heart condition, a very serious heart condition. And um, I see the tunnel with the light at the end that many near-death experiencers speak of. Um, my little dog that I had when I was a child, her name was Joy, was sitting in the light, uh, just waiting there for me. And I so wanted to pet her, but I knew because, you know, I had still already been traveling for decades. I knew that there are certain laws where if you go beyond a certain place, then you cannot return. So I, I did not do that, but I was like, oh, how I wish I could just touch that light and go beyond that barrier. Cause there's this invisible barrier in the light. And once you touch it, generally you are not allowed to return. You have to, uh, you're, you're usually gonna have an experience outside of that light. And I was very honored and blessed that 
I was told that I would be given this opportunity to cross um, and that it was okay to do so and that it, I, you know, that that law would be suspended for this experience. So the Lord Jesus Christ appears and he's wearing the grand white and red gown robes of the sacred heart that we see. Um, and he was just so stunningly beautiful. When you see him in the mystical spheres, you are overwhelmed with this. It's, you know, you're, you're all, you're, you know, I've heard this from other people too, because you just are overwhelmed. We're tearful and uh, the, the holiness and the, the love that you feel from him for you. And you realize just how merciful and beautiful and bountiful that is. And, and, in, and in, in fact, there's nothing that any of us could do to actually deserve that, but yet it's there, you know? And so you're just overwhelmed with that, like a child, like a baby in her mother's arms, you know? It's just such a beautiful thing. So he took me on this beautiful journey through many of the infinite spheres of heaven. And it was very, very uh, mind bending and, and beyond comprehension, very hard to put into words because all these, all these worlds were filled with such different kinds of beauty. Each realm had a different hue, a different color. You know, some would be like a, a pale sea blue and you're coming through it. And there's something about that color that enfolds you. I remember a burgundy realm that was very uh, just, it really stuck with me. A lot of times you'll see things that are very uh, pastelish, but yet psychedelic. So you see the pinks, greens, blues, uh, yellows, whites, and all these uh, starry blips. It's almost like sparklers on the 4th of July that starry sparkle that inhabits all those worlds. And I was being given like a very abbreviated education in the heavenly realms. And I knew I wouldn't be able to explain it. It was just so beautiful. And there were so many. And I, you know, obviously did not want to leave. No one ever wants to leave. <laughs> and so then, you know, that was lengthy, but then the part that I think is so relevant to all of us here on earth is when he brought me back. And so now we're back at the tunnel of light and he's standing there and he shows me on this, um, it's like a, almost like a fence, ironically, but it has different rungs showing the different attainments that souls make towards selflessness. And so the bottom would be where, when you're the closest to selfishness, you know? And um, then he allowed me to see a vision of the world and the people screaming and complaining, <laughs> you know, just the, the, uh, the noise, you know, the noise, the, the lack of harmony, the lack of uh, appreciation, contentment, gratitude. And he showed me the bottom rung and that was selfishness. 
And he said to me that it was our purpose in this lifetime here on earth to go from selfishness to selflessness. And he showed me a higher rung where he said, this is where you're at now. And he said, you are, you are at a place where you can cross over now if you wish. And I said, yay. <laughs> you know? um, and um, he said to me, um, it would be my decision. And at the time, I, one of my children was actually just a little, little toddler. Uh, my children were all very young. And um, I had a condition called cardiomyopathy and heart failure, uh, which a lot of times, and in my case, they were checking to see if I was going to require a heart transplant. And so Jesus said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, well, as long as it's my choice, I have to go back because of my children. And, um, and he said, okay. And he, you know, he's facing me now and he's got his hands on my shoulders. And he says, then I want you to go back and pray for a heart transplant. And I thought about it. I, I didn't respond immediately. I thought about it. And then I said, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you what I will do. And I said, I will go back and I will pray that the perfectly healthy person who would have to die to give me a heart would be saved. And he looks at me with really great intensity in my eyes and he pauses and he says, I grant that. And, uh, and he said, I'm not going to completely heal you, but I'm going to help you. And all of a sudden we're whooshing through space, heading back towards, you know, my body, I'm assuming. But on the way there, we head into this, it's almost like a cafe in the mystical spheres. And on the shelves, there's these shelves and there's just books and books and books. And he points to them. I'm sitting right next to him in a chair and he says, you're going to write those. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, just, you know, having the response of, oh my gosh, I better look really close. Cause I don't know how I'm going to remember all of That's this. So funny. It's like, well, you're not, you're getting your way scot-free, uh, Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. And so he tells me you're going to do this and, um, I'm going to make good use of you. He says, <laughs> and then here's the kicker, you know, so um i come back to my body and that week what was happening was this happened the night before i went into the hospital for a cardiac catheterization that they were going to do in preparation for putting me on the transplant list they were having a chopper stand by to take me to the hospital uh, my heart had been doing uh worse and that's what had instigated all this so I come back to my body, we go to the hospital and I have this procedure and I'm just assuming, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to wake up at the other hospital, whatever, you know what I mean? That's how it's going to go. I wake up in the same hospital and I'm asking, why am I, why am I here? Why am I still here? 
and my cardiologist says to me, we can't explain it, but for some reason, your heart improved so much between last week and this week um, that we don't need to send you. We're just going to continue with medications and we're going to see how things go. And, um, and I knew, you know, I knew in my heart that was the help that I'd been given so that I didn't have to go through that or go down that path at that time. And I did have the heart failure until I believe it was 2016. And uh, then it started actually completely resolving. Uh, and cardiomyopathy is a condition that doesn't resolve. You know, your heart enlarges, your pump function goes down. And yeah. my heart is considered completely normal now. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> miracle. Yeah, it was definitely that. And I spoke to several doctors who looked at the records and said, yeah, this is not something that medication can do. <laughs> yeah. um, they said, yeah. And for those, uh, several, uh, there was a, at least one doctor who was willing to say, yes, this is God. There's nothing else to explain it. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You know, the, it's, they have to start acknowledging some stuff, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What do you, there's a, a movie that um, was beautifully shot. It was some time ago. It was with Robin Williams, maybe more than a decade ago. It's called What Dreams May Come. I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw it. I did, but it was a long time ago. Yes. And I, I, I don't know if you can think of a movie or any kind of a work of art. I know that you have some images on your site, but uh, of that compares anywhere close to the experience of what you witnessed in those realms. You know, I'd say the closest movie that captures the afterlife as I've been shown it, because, you know, one of the tasks that I've been given is to help souls in their afterlife journeying. Yeah. Um, it's called Astral City. It's based on a book called Nasolar by a Brazilian I... mystic. And um, it's actually Nasolar is only the first in a series of 12 books. So the movie's only based on the first book um, and the series of books that he wrote. He was a very prolific um, writer of the things that came to him as well. And he really captures in a way that is so unique and unusual. Uh, I don't think I've, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a book nerd and I have, you know, this huge library of 5,000 books of ancient sacred texts. So, you know, I've done a lot of looking around and I think that he covers the afterlife journey, the karmic journey, um, this whole understanding of what purification is and how it is accomplished in a way that is unique um, and different from any other writer. Uh, and so the movie is in English. It's, I think it's subtitled in English because it's a Brazilian movie called Nasolar in Brazil, but it's called Astral City in English speaking countries. And I do recommend that a, a lot. Um, it's very, very close. And uh, the series of books for those who want to take it further is really worth reading. So I highly recommend that, that series of books as well, um, which starts out with Nasolar. I believe it's, uh, it might be called Life in the Spirit series. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I think I have that that movie. I purchased it. Um, <clears throat> I think it's from Amazon. I think I could download it or, or yeah. Well, actually, mm -hmm. I think I ordered a DVD. This was some time ago, but it yeah. was it was amazing and very interesting. Yes, uh, we could probably very have well another done. hour on just discussing the fine points of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I even got goosebumps as, as you were talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, um, his name was uh, Francisco Candido Javier. He was a very, very humble, devout, holy man who had this very profound gift. Oh. He lived very humbly, worked a regular job in Brazil as you know, some type of administrative job and did this um, in his spare time. Uh, but one of, the, one of the more prolific mystics of our time you know <laughs> yeah so cool um so do you think you know because there's been various thoughts about out-of-body travel right because some people are kind of terrified of it right like oh my god what happens what if i don't come back or what you know what scary things can i encounter we're not supposed to do this you know all these beliefs about it and yet you're an expert in, and you actually have written books you know, detailing what you know needs to be done and how to do it and what what you can encounter, how to protect yourself. So anybody can actually go to your site, autobodytravel.org, I believe. Yes. And and look at all those books and download them, and and they're all there for people. Um, but back to what I was saying, uh, does God want us to do auto body travel? Is that something that's encouraged? Well, it, the reason it would I would say yes to that is um because it is a you know i i often refer to out-of-body travel as the key you know and it's the key because it is a tool um it's a method it's a modus operandi whereby we are able to open up this uh door into seeing things with the clarity that we need, that enter, that line of energetic truth that comes from God himself. And so when we start having out-of-body experiences, we also, if we are forming it with a good spiritual practice and with the right intentions, it will evolve into a path of purification. And what happens in these experiences is that you are able to see things as they truly are energetically through the eyes of God, through the eyes of the universe. So we are accelerated by that because literally, for instance, if you have, uh, if you have a particular vice that you struggle with, we as humans by our very nature try to explain away the things that we are uh, most comfortable with because you know sin and vice is habitual you know and so we find ways to do that in the out-of-body travel experience we will be shown exactly where we're seeing things incorrectly and so it accelerates it so much because it's like right there instead of spending 5 10 15 20 years trying to see something clearly it can be shown to you in a split second uh -huh. and then there's also the factor of the fact that knowledge is not information it's energy and so when you begin having these experiences 
you go through something called a vibrational state as you're separating from physical body to spiritual body. And that vibrational state is caused by the fact that your spiritual body vibrates at a higher rate of frequency than your physical body. But what will happen in your traveling is you will be guided by the angels through vibrational raisings. And these things bring up your frequency of understanding, experience, and uh, your ability to then discern greater matters within yourself and all around you. And um, so these aspects of the experience, along with the fact that what comes with it is this direct teaching that we receive from usually not just one, but many different teachers throughout our life who come to help us through different stages of spiritual development, it becomes literally so head on that we're accelerating at speeds that cannot be attained in other ways. Um, for those who may not experience it, we don't want them to think, oh no, well, um, I'm missing out because there are other ways where you can benefit um, even just by uh, studying the, you know, the experiences of others, studying mystical theology, which is the science of the purification of the soul, um, but also the ancient sacred texts, which is literally riddled with these types of life-altering experiences that some of the great prophets, saints, mystics, um, sages, and ascetics left behind in words before they literally ascended from this realm. When they were finishing up, they left behind those pieces of gold, which were the, the words and the, the direction that got them to that point. And they're all very different and yet similar. And so every one of them holds like a different frequential alteration. Right. So by, you know, I always tell people, if you want to get to know somebody, what do you do? You get to know their friends, right? So when you get to know God's friends, the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics, you start seeing this multifaceted universal understanding of who God is. And you begin taking those pieces and aspects and essence within yourself, and it becomes a part of you. So even for those who may not experience it, there are ways to benefit from uh, these these tools that are out there, uh, the texts, the ancient sacred texts, the great writings of mystical theology, which include like St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, but also my favorite work would be The Spiritual Life by Father Adolf Tanqueray. But there are a whole slew of those types of texts that can actually take you through this process uh, in a different way, other than out-of-body travel. There are people that I don't recommend it for, and that's for people who have been through any type of demonic uh, uh, or they have trouble with spiritual warfare or anyone who has had to have deliverances, exorcism, things like that. Um, you want to uh, stay away from anything that if you're overly sensitive and that can happen. And so you want to close that door if you're in that category. 
Um, so, uh, but many people will find that the out-of-body experience literally just opens up uh, their understanding in ways that just about nothing else does because we receive this one-on-one -on -one instruction. So we are told exactly what it is we don't see that we need to know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we're too low in frequency to be able to, uh, you know, have it, understand it or grasp it. Uh, yeah, right. got it. Um, do we, should we go through a process? Let's say that we would like to try this, you know, somebody listening to this. Um, is, do you recommend going through a cleansing process of some sort, purifying so your journey is easier and also invoking angelic or divine protection and guidance prior or during the experience? Yes. And um, one of the things I have found in um, the out-of-body travel experience is that um, the name of Jesus Christ is the most powerful name in the universe, whether you believe in him or not, if you're in trouble, you're going to call out his name if you want help. <laughs> and, um, and then um, there's also one thing that really surprised me. I became Catholic as a result of my experiences. I was not Catholic before. Um, and one of the things I found was many of the Catholic prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Apostles' Creed. Um, uh, another thing that uh, is very powerful is just the two words Christ crucified it literally will make uh, it's almost like throwing acid on the skin of a demon if I may be so blunt um, it, they cannot stand those two words and in some of the battles that I've been in because I do a lot I've done a lot of spiritual warfare and it's written about in my book so you can find a lot about that on the site um, uh, I found that when I was undergoing, uh, some type of warfare, if I just repeated over and over again, Christ crucified, um, they could not handle that. It was literally, they would be grabbing at themselves. Like they were like, I was throwing acid on their skin and I would eventually then be liberated from the experience. But yes, we definitely want to do things that will help us purify. Whatever particular faith you may be, you want to go through your own purification practices. In the Catholic faith, you, you know, you have confession, you have the sacraments, the holy sacrifice of the mass, and um, uh, a lot of different prayer devotions. I recommend to a lot of people the chaplet of the divine mercy. Whether you're Catholic or not, you can still benefit from this. It's a beautiful devotion that was given to us by Saint Faustina in the 1930s from Jesus Christ about his, the beautiful, profound, and boundless nature of his mercy. And in this chaplet, Christ made a lot of promises that for those who we pray this chaplet for, we would be purified of all our sins and be able to pass through a lot of the purification and go directly into heaven. And so in Catholic circles, that chaplet is prayed for people who have died. Um, but we also pray it for our world and for ourselves, you know, to help us to purify and cleanse. It's a simple chaplet. There are um, some beginning prayers that you start with, like um, 
like many Catholic prayers, you start with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to do the Apostles' Creed. You're going to do the Our Father and three Hail Marys. And then on the, you know, you're doing this on a regular rosary, which has the five Our Father beads and then five sets of 10 prayers that for the rosary are Hail Marys. But what you're going to do that's different in this is on the Our Father bead, you will state this prayer, which is eternal father. I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ in atonement for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Then on each of the Our Father beads, you will pray for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Um, after you have finished the five decades, it comes out and you pray, Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world three times. And then you'll sign yourself in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll also find there are musical versions of these that are available online that a lot of people love, and I use them too. Um, I often use those kinds of prayers when I'm doing housework, you know, when I'm cleaning the house, just to have it going when I'm doing it, other daily yeah, work. They are powerful. They're actually, um, we are taught, you know, I follow pranic healing um, and they welcome and, and respect and honor all religions and all the mysticism taught. Right. And um, we are taught that the prayer, our father, is actually really powerful. Um, it's a powerful chant. It's a, it opens up all the chakras. It really widens your auric field. It does provide a certain amount of purification and blessing. So yes. a lot of mysticism uh, you know that we don't know we're like oh you know it's just what the catholics say you know no there's a lot of um magic and divine blessing available with those those chants so i, I recognize that um well and you know the our father is unique too and, and and i write about this in my books because um in the experiences that i had the first stanza of the Our Father is actually one of the most powerful exorcism prayers. And I was really surprised to see this. Um, but listen to what is being said in this stanza. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What could be more powerful in stating your intention to stand with God? Uh, and it's just uh, when you see this in the out-of-body travel experiences and the impact it has on expelling dark energy or demonic forces, it's awe-inspiring. Wow, that's so cool. There's something that you've noticed um, you, and, and you write about it when you are out of body. Um, and I talk about this all the time and I, and I love the clarity you got, you know, from being out of body and, and the vision is that how thoughts manifest, that actually your thoughts are the navigator, where you go, what you, you pull into your reality. 
Um, and I think people don't realize that because we just, our mortal eyes don't have access to that information. We just think, oh, we're just thinking. And what does it matter if I complain all day and, um, and I'm mad at this person, right? Like nothing happens, but the reality is something does happen. Can you give us some information? Of what you Absolutely. Want? Yes. So, you know, thoughts are things, it's the simplest way to put it, but absolutely thoughts are the nature and the manner in which that we communicate in the spiritual world. And, you know, when you're in the spiritual body, you think of a place you're there. That's how you travel. Um, you think of something, someone, and you are wherever they are. Um, but it's more than that too, because it, it comes into play with our thoughts, our fears. Um, and like you talked about people complaining a lot. And of course we all struggle with that. I'm, you know, me too. <laughs> yeah, we all do it. Uh, but yes, there is a negative energy that we're throwing around our world and our reality that is, um, that is creating more negativity because it is, it's a compounding element. What we put out mag manifests and it also multiplies. And so one of the ways that we can deal with this, and this is something I try to do every day, I'll catch myself having a negative thought, I'll reframe it. So uh, let's say, uh, I'm gonna try to come up with something in particular. We, we wanna reframe things to the gratitude for the progress that we see. So if you have someone you work with and a person you work with is, and usually difficult, and that's what you complain about. Um, you can reframe it with, I see that this person is still struggling with what they struggle with, but I am grateful that I am able to step out of it and just be present in a positive, loving space over here. Um, you know, I am grateful that I was able to smile at this person today and they smiled back. You know, it's um, grabbing a hold of every little morsel that we see um, and trying to reframe our negativity because it's very simple and easy for all of us because we all do it to focus on the negative aspects of our interactions with other people. But then we want to try to turn it into focusing on even if it's just this tiny little morsel you want to focus on that well i am grateful that today that tirade only lasted 30 minutes instead of 40 that's progress <laughs> yeah, there you go they were they were yeah, part, part of it when we're dealing with even just dealing with uh, interpersonal relations is accepting the people around us accepting that, okay, this is the nature. And so we're not going to expect it to dramatically change from one day to the next, but we're going to try to operate from the highest sphere that we can, and also try to have the compassion for whatever that state of mind is. Very easily said, much harder to do, <laughs> you know? And obviously, um, we see a great deal uh, in our world that definitely goes well beyond this because we do see a lot of good and evil in this world and we're not going to reframe, you know, uh, murder, mayhem and war 
and say, well, yay, you know, we're not going to do that. Um, this is where it would then pass into the realm of spiritual warfare and how do we handle things like that, which would be different, you see, because yeah. there is this need for the acknowledgement of good and evil in order for good to reign we cannot pretend that evil does not exist and that can be one of the very simplest and, and one of the most common mistakes that are made early on in a lot of spiritual paths where they think in order to reframe things in a positive way i have to deny the presence of negativity or the presence of evil and that is not how you do it um, because you have to be able to identify evil in order to actually become able to alter it, either within yourself or within the world. But there is a different manner that occurs through the training and the alteration in our frequency and vibration that allows us to see these things from a different state of perception and puts us in a, in a space where we can, uh, we can actually have some impact on those forces within the world and within ourselves and within those around us to a certain degree. Um, but we always have to remember the world will not change or alter. Um, the world is functioning to perfection. This is a purgatorial realm. So, you know, one of the things that I see a lot is people think, okay, well, I have to fight this. I have to fight that. I have to fight this. It's, no, you have to fight yourself. <sighs> you have to overcome yourself because when we leave this realm, it will continue on being a mortal sphere where the battles between good and evil will continue to rage. Our work, we're not going to change this realm as a whole or its purpose, but we need to do what we can to bring as much good and selflessness and godliness into that, yeah. but the transformation always comes from within first. We don't change anything unless we go there first. And... Um, then we have to have a proper perspective of what our purpose here is because this realm does serve its purpose to perfection. The likelihood, you know, only God decides if he's going to change the nature of the earthly realm itself. Um, we can only change who we are and thereby change the destiny of our soul when we leave this space. Do we continue recycling, doing the same types of things over and over and over again? Or are we going to try to follow that staircase from earth to heaven that the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages and ascetics have built with the ancient sacred texts that contain those wisdoms, those secrets to overcoming and transforming from this realm to the next level of evolution. I got it. Yeah, beautifully said, uh, because it's true. You know, we do, people do wonder and it challenges their faith that the world has so much um, crazy stuff and, and dark and evil and 
and it's hard to understand right like why yes. are we now what's happening these poor innocent children and all you know all this crazy it's like what is happening what why would god do this um i personally also believe that there are also entities dark entities that do take advantage of people um, there are yeah there are and and the what you just said was very important because people do say why would god do this and i said this is where we're going to do a reframing um, because God isn't doing it. Remember, God gave us free will. So the question then has to be changed with, why do human beings do this to one another? God's not doing it. He's allowing us to have the free will. And so we have happening all around us, all the different misperceptions of what is good, what is false, what is true, and what is evil in every individual incarnated human soul. And terrible things can happen because our realities do run into each other. You know, serial killers do target completely innocent people that had nothing to do with their being uh, murdered. Uh, there are people who are born into countries that are at war and they have nothing to do with the horrible way that they might go out but the nature of this realm is such that we have free will and that means so does everyone else and that's what's happening so why do people do these kinds of things to one another and the root answer is very simple it's because of the various levels of goodness evil and everything in between, um, there are levels of ignorance that occur where people do things and it's literally out of ignorance and not foul intent. But there is also foul intent. There's evil intent. There are people who are evil. There are people who have evil tendencies. Um, just as we have people like a Mother Teresa who truly understood the nature of going from selfishness to selflessness in her life. We also have people who, uh, let's just take Saddam Hussein, who, um, who completely embraced the complete opposite. And we have that in all facets of our world and our society. So we have that in people who kill. We have that in people who engage in extremely reckless behaviors that threaten other people's lives or their welfare. We have people who are reckless in their actual thinking, just even in their uh, ignorance. People can be reckless in their ignorant thinking. So that's what we talk about earlier. We mentioned the, the relativistic way that we're trying to make it wrong we're trying to make it virtuous to not show discernment about anything well there is a reckless thinking in that where people can make determinations and judgments that are actually quite dark and actually serve dark forces but they believe they truly believe that they are doing what is good and virtuous. But you see, this is why there is this process. We have to actually uncover the energetic truth 
behind all that. And so uh, this relative type thinking creates this fertile ground for no one is allowed to take issue with anything. And when we do that, then evolution of human beings stops because that is our purpose for being here. So you can see how skillful this is from the satanic dark side that if you can convince people that it is just morally wrong to judge anything or anybody, um, and when they use the word judge, they're also saying you're not allowed to discern it. And the, now if somebody says, well, I'm not sure how I feel about that, I don't think that that's right, then they have become judgmental. Rather than reflective, discerning, and trying to delineate the truth, the energetic truth behind something that is being talked about. And those who serve that bottom rung, that selfishness, are very, very uh, attached to maintaining the right to do that and maintaining a way to shut those people up who might be trying to climb up higher towards selflessness and understanding why some actions are inferior and some are superior in this world. And so I hope that makes some sense. Yeah, no, I got it. No, thank you for, for saying that. Um, there's another question I have. I know we were, you know, you've been so generous with your time, um, but do we also, out of just intentionally going out of the body, now really setting the intention and going through the process to, to do so, right? Do we also travel out of the body when we're asleep and, and come back in, we don't have any memory of what we did and how we, um, you know, the work that yeah, we most people do. Um, and it's just actually a natural part of the spiritual unfolding that occurs. It's the natural inflow that comes from heaven to earth to kind of guide us. And you'll know, you'll notice a lot of people will say, I don't know why, but I woke up and I just had this really strong sense. I needed to do this, you know? And so you can have an influx that's coming in. And again, here is discernment because you can have an influx coming in from the good, good side and from the bad side. You can have it coming from the light and the dark. So again, you always discern. And that's, we don't want to lose discernment. Discernment is very important for our purpose here as human beings. But yes, we do. And when we are out, we're often being instructed. You know, we go to things like um, support groups of other people who are going through difficulties similar to ours. So for instance, if you've recently lost somebody, a child or a spouse, you will probably be meeting with other souls who are going through a similar hardship, a similar heartbreak. Um, if you are struggling with difficulties in your marriage, you will be given direction and guidance. And there are groups too that you would go to in your sleep. You receive instruction from many different teachers. So, you know, just a handful of the teachers that started with me in the beginning, because there's so many now that it's hard to, you know, there was Emmanuel who taught me of oneness. There was Kutahe who began the teaching on discernment. There was uh, the grandfather um, who was this great Native American elder who taught me so much. 
Um, there was Chief Joseph, who is written about in the third book of the Mysteries of the Redemption series, Medicine Woman Within a Dream. And that was just an amazing experience. There were the golden angels. There were ancient Egyptian, um, oh my gosh, vistas and temples and gods and goddesses of these things and mythology even. When you go through the initiations into the mysteries, you meet some of these mythological figures as well, who actually had some point in reality. And that's how they ended up in the mythologies of these people. They're not necessarily all made up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then, but you also meet, you know, the saints, you meet the prophets, you meet a lot of people meet with the Buddha, with Jesus, with the blessed mother, um, with, uh, you know, I met some of the most amazing people like Baha'u'llah, Krishna, um, and, uh, you know, gosh, Swami Prabhupada, I love that man. He wrote uh, uh, another prolific person uh, who just spent his elder years translating the Srimad Bhagavatam and a lot of other Hindu and Vedic texts. And um, what a beautiful soul. Paramahamsa Yogananda, who, uh, you know, he guides me, but he guides a lot of people in the out-of-body travel state and in mystical spheres. But there are so many that are not figures that we would recognize. So, you know, we have to remember that too. We have these people, for instance, like the Assisi Marauders are this group of five um, men spirits who wear all black and they ride these white winged horses and they energize creativity, creation in our realm. And they're just amazing. Oh, wow. Um, there's so many that we would meet that maybe have no earthly context because the worlds beyond the veil are much bigger than our world. It doesn't, you know, then of course, too, we have many souls who have crossed over, who have mastered and ascended, who no, you know, didn't write or we have no knowledge of. And those souls also come into the picture and assist. One of the things I talk about with people is how creation continues to create and that we are all required to give back to creation that which creation gives to us and how that plays out. Because sometimes people are so uncomfortable with the idea that there are lower realms. And I remind them, but we are also a lower realm. You know, the guides that come to us are coming from higher spheres and they are giving of their gifts and their abundance and grace to assist us in our evolution. And, um, and thus we are then asked to do the same. So then we will be called to help souls who are either struggling here on earth struggling in various purgatorial realms and even the hellish realms. Not everyone is called to all of those. And some people are called to completely different things. Um, but this is how creation gives back for what creation is given to us. So when we receive from above, we must also be willing to funnel that to those who are struggling below and help them 
come higher too. That is how we create, you know, what in Native American tradition would be called the sacred hoop, the coming together of all life to help one another in our journeying forward. It's also a Buddhist, a Hindu concept of how we all, we all assist in the evolution of all. It's a very common concept along Eastern religions, native and tribal traditions. It's very important because it's very, it's so much simpler to understand that yes, there are lower realms and even hell realms when you just understand, okay, yeah, well, we're, this is where we are in the spectrum and there's these higher people and there's people that are lower than us. We're not the lowest, we're not the highest. <laughs> we're just somewhere here in the middle. Yeah. And so then it's like, oh, well, that's not all that confusing, is it? You know? <laughs> Got it. Do we, um, do we come here? Are we sent down here because um, we need more purification, more work on ourselves to be able to ascend to, like you said, when Jesus showed you those, those little ladders or, you know, those yes. little levels. So we haven't really attained most of us anyway. I'm sure that there's higher souls that, um, you know, out of a sense of gift or, or selflessness come down here to help us. But most of well, us- Yes, and I often tell people that it's really simple to discern this one. If you are incarnate here, you have purification to undergo because you wouldn't be here if you didn't. <laughs> and, um, um, and so it's, it's, it's like, okay, well, that simplifies things, right? Because it's like, okay, now I know what's going on. I'm here, I've got- uh, I've got things that I've been carrying around for various existences and different realms, and I need to try to purify those. Um, and speaking of that staircase, it's something that I was shown in, in some beautiful mystical experiences, and we also did a film on it. It's called The Staircase from Earth to Heaven. You can watch all our films as well. At um, If you just go to Out of Body Travel, click on the YouTube link, go to our channel, but it talks about this vision and goes into depth. Um, the visions that I had repeatedly about the ancient sacred texts and these books were made like a staircase from earth. They created a staircase from earth all the way to heaven. And each step was one of these ancient sacred texts. So, you know, one of them could be Sri Ramakrishna's gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. The next one might be the Holy Bible. The next one might be Emanuel Swedenborg's writings. The next one might be, um, uh, you know, the Vedantas, uh, the Vedanta Sutras. Um, the next one might be uh, the Zohar from the Jewish tradition. The next one might be some of these ancient texts from the native and tribal traditions, but there were hundreds of them. And each of them provided a step towards getting to the, the goal, which was the higher heaven. And so you can watch that film and it'll explain that in more detail. But yes, we are here. The fact that we are here indicates we need further purification. So this, it's, that in and of itself is a huge gift. It's like, oh, okay, accelerate. We're here. I need to, to look here and start, you know? And um, if you want to start, you can start in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, um, if you go to my website at outofbodytravel.org, you can check out the films. We have films on how to have an out-of-body experience. 
there is also a film called The Grand Phases of the Soul, which goes into great detail about purification, discrimination, and discipline. Um, you can also download all of our books for free. All of our stuff is there for free. Um, I recommend you start with Come to Wisdom's Door and the Mysteries of the Redemption. And then you can go from there in sequence. And of course, you can email me if you have any questions about what, where you should start or where you should continue. Um, there are a lot of resources there for you to utilize. There's also tons and tons of interviews you can also listen to. Um, and I welcome people emailing me. So uh, feel free to email me if you have questions. I welcome that. Thank you. I know you're very generous. And just to, um, so anybody can go to the site. I, in order to prepare for the interview, I read a couple of the books and they're oh, nice. Yeah, they're free. So you can go in and everything that we discussed, you can go in, you can just click download. Um, it's very generous. I think that there's also a very reasonable fee for if you prefer to have your own physical copy. So I think everything is, you know, I think you've been divinely instructed um yeah. make them as widely available as possible so people can read and access and grow so which is very beautiful um just I, I wanted to ask you i know that there's some things that you're also doing currently um there is something in development some kind of ex something exciting um, <laughs> would you tell us i think it's with some big wigs right some people yeah. that did lord of the rings and they are uh making a movie out of the mysteries of redemption or uh, out of body travel can you give us it will either be a feature film series or a television series and i'm writing the scripts i just finished what will be season one if uh if it goes to uh, production soon and uh, we are in production and development with dean lyon uh, assistant director and uh, visual effects supervisor for the lord of the rings um, we have some great people here right in uh, arizona working at Sun Studio, I was putting in an LED wall, which is apparently the, the newest and best uh, thing in visual effects. And they're putting that in for the project. So we're all very excited. Um, we're also uh, working with Lisa Menzel and Kevin Callum of Ubiquity Entertainment. Um, and they're overseeing the whole process. And Dean is the big guy who's hopefully going to be able to produce the whole thing. And we can, you know, we have so much material uh, that, you know, if it is something that people enjoy, we could, you know, end up anywhere with five to 10 to 15 to 20 to 22 seasons at this point. So wow. just in terms of how many books we have to follow and sequence and season one is the first prelude to a dream. So we'll continue in that, uh, in that vein and see how that goes. And then also coming up in May, uh, a greater reality. Um, I've been working for years with a group called the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraordinary Experiences. Um, they've recently changed their name to Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. Uh -huh. um, they already put out a very well-received book called Beyond UFOs, which was this groundbreaking and first time ever done study on the experiences of people who have had contact with extraterrestrial life. A greater reality is going to 
cover more of what they call the contact modalities, which are out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, all paranormal things, telekinesis, uh, uh, telepathy. Uh, they have a whole list. You can check that out at the website. There's the cover and the whole explanation of the book. I'm contributing a chapter on out-of-body travel, astral travel, and remote viewing, and I'm also going to be discussing in that article the hierarchies of the angels and the hierarchies of the extraterrestrial races, which is significant because in out-of-body travel, one of the groups that we see that teach us are some of the higher, higher evolved um, extraterrestrial races. So this becomes very interesting and important, ironically, in concert with the hierarchy of angels. They are different. They're not the same, but they do uh, have a certain sense of working together in our individual spiritual journeys. So that will be coming in May wow. in a greater reality. That's volume two. There'll be four volumes in total. And so look for that. that. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully you'll come back to us for more interviews. Oh, I'd love to. I mean, love to. Yeah, this is so great. Yeah. Topics. Thank you so much for today. Um, just really just mind-blowing really in, in life-changing information and just so oh, thank you. communicated thank you thank you yeah just go to the website outofbodytravel.org you can get everything there send me an email if you have any questions <laughs>